Well, good morning, Southside. It is so good to be with you today, and I am thankful for the technology that allows us to be together, even though we aren't in the same room. And I appreciate the opportunity to, to be here with you today. I, I want to take you back to last summer. I, I had the opportunity to speak in Prescott, Arizona, and uh, my wife was able to go out with me, and so we tacked on a day or two before I spoke and a day or two after, and, and we did some sightseeing. And uh, we flew into Phoenix, and we started driving up to Sedona. And the higher we went, uh, every thousand feet, they would have a sign that would tell the, the new elevation. And we got to Sedona, and I believe it was about 4,300 feet above sea level. And every, everywhere I looked, there were mountains and valleys. And it was beautiful. I, I, I just love looking at the, the mountains and the valleys because, well, I live in Illinois. You, you know what I mean. It's flat as a pancake here. We, we don't have valleys and mountains. I guess Mount Auburn, Mount Pulaski, I'm not sure why they named those mountains, but that's about the best we have. We don't have valleys here, do we? Or maybe we do. Maybe we have valleys here, just not the valleys that are associated with a mountain. For example, maybe the, the valley of a doctor saying it's cancer. Or the valley of a, a spouse saying, I don't want to be married to you anymore. Or the valley of a, a boss saying, I'm sorry, but you don't have a job with us anymore. Or the valley of standing at a cemetery as you say goodbye to a spouse or a parent or a child or a, a good friend. We, we know what those valleys are like. Life can be hard, but our God is good. And Psalm 23 tells us that God is our shepherd. He is always with us. He walks with us. And I'm, I'm thankful today. I appreciate that Brooks has asked me to uh, walk through this psalm with you. And uh, I, I'm just excited about being able to do that. I, I love the 23rd Psalm. And I, I'm afraid that sometimes we look at the 23rd Psalm as a funeral psalm. And I've used it in a lot of funerals. But we, we sometimes uh, kind of delegated or relegated to a cemetery to give some comfort when we are standing at, at the graveside. But the 23rd Psalm isn't just a funeral psalm. It is a psalm about life. So I, I want to, to read it. I'm going to be using the New Living Translation this morning. And uh, let me read this beautiful psalm to you. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings and surely with your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I, I love this song. You know, life is a mixture of pain and pleasure, a mixture of victory and defeat, a mixture of mountaintops and valleys. In verse 4, David writes, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close to me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You and I both know what it's like to go through a valley. 
those valleys of, of difficult times, problems, hard times. So what we're going to do here for uh, the next few minutes is just consider some lessons about valleys that might help us to be better prepared for the next valley that we, we walk through. The first lesson is valleys are a part of life. They're going to happen, so we might as well count on them happening and hopefully be a little bit more prepared for when those valleys come. You know, sometimes when, when bad things happen, it's almost like we're, t- we're taken by surprise. Like, how could a bad thing happen to me? How come I'm having this problem when we know that bad things are going to happen? I once read that valleys work this way. A, you're either coming out of a valley, or B, you're in a valley right now, or C, you're getting ready to enter a valley. Isn't that encouraging, knowing that there is a valley around every curve? Now, most of us know what it's like to have a mountaintop experience. We we like those when life is good. But with every mountain, there's a valley. And we're not going to stay on the mountaintop forever. And really, we can't. So when things go wrong or when life isn't quite what we expected, we need to be able to adjust. And instead of throwing that little pity party and wringing our hands and crying, we need to walk through the valley. We need to keep going. Because valleys are a normal part of life. They are going to happen. And when you think about it, mountaintops are pretty, but you don't live on a mountaintop, do you? You live in the valley. That's where life happens. So valleys are going to happen. Second lesson is valleys are never convenient. Hard times, difficult times, tough times, they're they're never convenient. You can't find a good time for them on your calendar when it's a more convenient time. How many of us get our calendars out and we say, let me see, a a week from Thursday, I think I could schedule a valley. I I think I could schedule a, a problem. It doesn't work that way. There's never a convenient time for a valley. In fact, they usually occur at the most inconvenient times. Has your car ever broken down at a convenient time? Have you ever had a flat tire at a convenient time? Have you really ever really gotten sick at a, a really good time? Have you lost a job just when you've saved up to live comfortably for the next 10 years without a job? Probably not. Is there ever a a really good time for our kids to make a bad decision? Valleys come at inconvenient times. A good day can become a bad day with one phone call, with one piece of mail, with one doctor's visit, with one freak accident. Valleys just happen. The third lesson is valleys are impartial. That means... None of us are isolated. None of us are are protected from those valleys. They're going to happen to all of us. Everyone has problems. Good people and not so good people all have problems. You will have trials and I will have trials. You'll have difficult times. I'll have difficult times. More than likely, there will be times that we are discouraged and hurting and even depressed. Valleys are impartial. The the Bible teaches that in this life, we will have problems. That means all of us, we all will have problems. Jesus taught in Matthew 5, 45, it rains on the just and the unjust. But when we, we find ourselves in those valleys, sometimes we tend to ask that question, why me? Why is this happening to me? And if valleys are going to happen to all of us, maybe we ought to ask, why not me? 
Why should I expect someone else to be in the valley, but not me? And if we're going to do that, if we're going to ask that question, maybe we ought to ask the question when we're on the mountaintop. Why me? Why do I get to enjoy this great experience? Bad things happen in life. They're going to happen to all of us. And basically, bad things happen because this is earth. This isn't heaven. There will be a day in heaven when life will be perfect, but we're not there yet. So as long as we're here, valleys are going to happen. The fourth lesson is valleys are temporary. Valleys don't go on forever. There's a beginning and an end. But I know sometimes they seem like they last a long, long time. Several years ago, my family was on vacation when our kids were really young, and we were out in Colorado, and we we spent a few days in the Colorado Springs area, and we were going to go to the Royal Gorge one afternoon, and uh, I missed a turn. I was on the interstate, but I missed an exit. And you can tell how long ago this was because my wife opened the glove box, and she got out a map, a paper map, before we had all the apps we have on our phones. And she looked at the map, and she found this little cutoff road that would go to the Royal Gorge that was just a fraction of an inch on the map. And she said, here's another way to get there, and I think it looks like a shortcut. So we took that exit, and we took that that drive. It, It was called Phantom Canyon Road or Phantom Canyon Drive, something like that. And it ended up not being a shortcut. In fact, I think it was 26 miles of mostly unpaved road that went up and down hills and and all kinds of turns. And we had to go really slow. And it took a lot longer to get there. I want you to know that the first half of that drive, I was not happy. I wasn't in a good mood. And I probably had what my wife and my kids refer to as the look. I just did not have that happy camper look on my face, I'm sure. Then I started noticing, this is beautiful. We go around one curve, and you couldn't see the top of the mountain. We go around around another curve, you couldn't see the bottom of the valley. There were mining camps, old mining camps. It's just a beautiful drive. And instead of being a shortcut, it took a lot longer. But it was worth the drive. And in the scope of the entire vacation... In the scope of life in general, being inconvenienced for those 26 miles wasn't that big of a deal. And whatever you go through in this life, when you're in those valleys, they don't last forever. Because anything here is only temporary. But heaven is for eternity. Valleys are temporary. And the fifth lesson is valleys are purposeful. God will never waste a valley. There's always good that will come out of every hurt, every disappointment, every defeat, every discouragement. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God doesn't promise to work in some things. He doesn't say, I'll work in the good things or I'll work on the mountaintops. He says, I'll work in all things to bring good. And if that's God's promise to us, and it it is, then we have two basic choices. We can either say, God, I trust you with my life, and right now is tough, but once again, I trust you, so please reveal the good that's going to come from this. Or we can wring our hands and cry, God, this isn't fair. And when we do that, we, we have a harder time seeing the good that comes from it. 
We can respond in faith or we can respond in fear. Here's what I found. I found that our faith is developed in the valleys. I need to confess to you. I want to be honest with you. I love the mountaintops. I really do. I look forward to the mountaintops. I wish I had more mountaintops in my life. But as I look back over my life, my faith has grown the most in the valleys. It's been in the tough times that I've had to learn to trust God. It's when things around me are falling apart that I, I tend to hold on to God just a little tighter. It's when I, I can't take another step that I tend to reach out and grab the Father's hand. It's when I'm standing at a cemetery with a broken heart that the hope and promise of eternal life in heaven has become so much more comforting and real. God is able to take everything we go through and use it for his main purpose in our lives. And his main purpose in our lives is for us to become more and more like Jesus. He can take us through the valleys so our faith gets bigger and our faith gets better when we get to the other side. So what do we do when we find ourselves in a valley? Let's walk through this Psalm 23 and and, uh, see some things that, that David tells us. First, refuse to give up. Refuse to give up. David says, I will not be afraid. I, I will fear no evil. If we break the verse down a little bit, David says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. I, I, I like that, the way he, he words it, because he's going through a valley, but he says, even though I walk through a valley, he, he's not panicking, he's walking, he's steady, he's trusting God. He, he, he's not panicking, he, he's not running this way and that way, because sometimes when we panic and we run, we end up running the wrong direction. But he says, I walk. I'm steady. I'm taking deliberate steps in the right direction. And he goes on and he says, I will not be afraid. Notice he doesn't say, I am not afraid. He says, I will not be afraid. He's he's made up his mind in advance. When I'm in a valley, when I go through the valley, when that day comes, I'm choosing now. I will not be afraid. We need to choose how we are going to respond. See, the choice is up to us. If you are discouraged today, you are choosing to be discouraged. If you are afraid today, you are choosing to be afraid. If you have a a negative attitude today, you are choosing to have a negative attitude. If you are upset with me right now because I just called you out, you are choosing to be upset with me. And if that's the case, I'm kind of glad you're in your living room and I'm here. But listen to me. I'm not trying to be hard. I'm not trying to be harsh. The last thing I want to do if you're hurting today is kick you when you're down. But the truth of the matter is you choose how you're going to respond just as I choose how I'm going to respond when we walk through a valley. You can choose to not be afraid and walk through the valley because you know the shepherd is walking with you. Or you can choose to be afraid and become discouraged and possibly grow bitter. You can focus on your problem or you can focus on God's protection. The second thing that we need to do is remember that God is with us. David says this, for you are close beside me. You're with me every moment of every day. 
You know, somehow I think we convince ourselves that when we're on the mountaintop, God is with us, but when we go down the valley, he's left us. But that isn't true. God is always with us. And when we look through this psalm, something amazing takes place at the halfway point here. In the first three verses, David is referring to God in the third person. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Then he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. But notice what happens in verse 4 when David starts talking about the dark valleys. There's a switch from the third person to the first person. Instead of talking about God, it's like David starts talking to God. He says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. It's almost like David saying, when I get to the valley, I don't want to know about God. I want to know God. I don't want to just talk about God. I want to talk to God. David wants us to know and remember that God is with us. God isn't sitting up in heaven and watching us go through this valley and thinking, oh, I hope they make it. He's right there in the valley with us. He is walking beside us, holding our hand. And he expects us to walk. He expects us to keep going. He expects us to trust him. But sometimes we don't. You know, most of us are familiar with the poem Footprints in the Sand that tells about someone looking back in their life and and there's two sets of footprints, one theirs and one God's. And then in times that were tough, there's only one set and that's when God picked them up and carried them. It's a good poem. I've used it at several funerals over the years. There's another version that is lesser known, and I am positive about this. I have never used this one at a funeral service, but I want to read it to you this morning. It goes like this. One night I had a wondrous dream. One set of footprints there was seen. The footprints of my precious Lord, but mine were not along the shore. But then some stranger prince appeared, and I asked the Lord, what have we here? Those prints are large and round and neat, but Lord, they are too large for my feet. My child, he said in sober tones, for miles I carried you alone. I I challenged you to walk by faith, but you refused and made me wait. You disobeyed, you would not grow. The walk of faith, you would not know. So I got tired, I got fed up. And there I dropped you on your butt. Because in life there comes a time when one must fight and one must climb, when one must rise and take a stand, or leave their butt prints in the sand. Now I cannot attest to the theological accuracy of that poem, but I do believe in life and in the valleys, God expects us to walk. He expects us to keep going. He wants to know it's okay because he's with us. So so instead of just digging our feet in and sitting down, we need to keep going. Remember, God is with you, so walk with him. And one more thing, that is we need to rely on God's protection. The last part of verse 4 says, Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. The rod and the staff are the two basic tools that a shepherd would use 
to protect and guide the sheep. The, the rod, some commentators say, was probably about two feet long and had a, a knob on the end, a heavy knot. And it could be used as a club. It could be uh, used to hit some, someone or an animal, or it could be thrown to whoever might be attacking the sheep. And the picture we get here is when we're going through the valley, God is our shepherd who defends us. God is our shepherd who protects us. He's there to fight for us. He's our defender and protector. And he said, your staff. And the staff was a long stick with a, a crook at the end of it. And the shepherd used the staff to lead and to guide and, and, and to draw the sheep close to him, to reach out and, and hook a lamb and, and bring it back to the fold to help when they were down. My friends, God is our leader. He's our guide. He's our protector. And we need to to trust him. Maybe you remember in the Old Testament when uh, Moses was leading the Israelites out of the slavery in Egypt and, and they'd been in bondage. They'd been in slavery for a long, long time and they're finally free and they're walking through the desert on their way to the promised land. And my guess is they were on top of the world. I don't know what they sang back then, but you know, in the last 50 years, maybe they would have sung songs like Kumbaya and Our God is Mighty to Save, How Great is Our God, Raise a Hallelujah. They, they, they were rejoicing. I imagine they were praising God. And then they came to the Red Sea. There were mountains on either side of them, water in front of them, and Pharaoh's army closing in behind them. And immediately... The mood changed and they were afraid. And I love the way the psalmist described what happened next in Psalm 77. He puts it this way. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. You led your people along that road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. Once again, we have that shepherd analogy that 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 shepherd picture but i like that phrase a pathway no one knew was there and when we're going through those dark valleys we don't know where they're going to lead but god always knows the pathway he sees what we don't see perhaps today you feel trapped perhaps you're in a valley this morning and you don't see a way out. It, maybe it, it feels hopeless to you. So what do you do? You keep holding on. You hold on to God's promise. Hold on to God's power. Hold on to God's presence. Hold on to God's protection. And know that God is with you. He is always with you. And he will never leave you alone. I came across a, a quote by a Corey Ten Boom that I, that I love. I, I think it's really good for, for when we're in the valleys, but it goes like this. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Again, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. We don't know what the future holds, but we know God. And if we know God and we walk with God, if we allow him to be our shepherd and lead us, we don't have to be afraid of the future. I want to wrap up by encouraging you to find something to to write five letters on. And and it could be where you put it uh, with a magnet on the refrigerator, you put it on your mirror where you get 
ready in the morning, maybe put it in your car or at your office. But, but the five letters are P-T-P-O-G. P-T-P-O-G, and it simply stands for practice the presence of God. Practice the presence of God. And in those times when you're in the valley, in those times when it feels dark and you feel all alone, remember, P-T-P-O-G. Practice the presence of God. God is with me. He's walking with me. And he will lead me. Once again, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you are always with us. I thank you that there is nothing that can separate us from you and your love. God, I I pray for those who might be in a valley right now. God, I pray that they would not only know your presence, I I pray that they would feel your presence. Father, I pray that they would would, uh, allow you uh, to take them by the hand and, and lead them. God, I thank you for being our God, our Father. I thank you for your love and your grace. God, I thank you for the the life that we have here, even when it's hard. God, I pray that whatever we go through would help us to become more and more like Jesus. Until that day, that we can enjoy perfect and eternal life in heaven with you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.